Hello and welcome to EG Property Podcasts with me, Jim Larkin, where we're going to take an in-depth look into the world of ports. Um, now, as pressures grow and prices increase for development sites across much of the country, is it time we started to see ports not just as places where freight is processed, but as a location for all manner of commercial property types? Well, this is very much the view of this week's guest, Greg Lacey, who is Head of Property at the Humber Operations of Associated British Ports, which is not just the UK's biggest ports operator, but one of the country's biggest commercial landowners. Um, The company has recently unveiled a property growth strategy in which it aims to dramatically increase the size of its occupier portfolio, and Greg believes there is huge untapped potential here. Uh, He also believes ports offer an opportunity to deliver ambitious targets on net zero, while also adding much-needed social value to our coastal communities and as if all that wasn't enough he has some exciting news for the agency world but you'll have to listen to the end for that bit Greg hello how are you afternoon Jim very well thanks good to be here Good stuff. Okay, um, now we're talking today because um, ABP is quite a big deal in terms of you know being a landowner. You've got almost four thousand hectares nationally. Um, could you briefly outline the broad company strategy um, yeah. uh, for you know making that land work more effectively for you in terms of securing commercial tenants? Yes, of course. Um, and I think for those who are listening that aren't aware of um, what ABP is or, or what they do, um, we're the largest port operator in the UK. Uh, with 21 ports um, across England, Scotland and Wales. Um, we are one of the biggest commercial landowners in this country. It's safe to say we've, we've flown under the radar previously, but um, that will all change as part of our new strategy. Um, our mission is is very much to keep Britain trading. Um, we do handle around 150 billion um, of UK trade annually. Um, on top of our existing estate of, of 4,000 hectares, we've also got quite a significant um, development land bank of 1,000 hectares. Um, we are home for a thousand tenants across that portfolio, so it, it's quite a unique um, property portfolio in terms of the existing estate, um, and it's very diverse in terms of occupier types and uh, uses. Um, on the Humber itself, which which I'm responsible for, um, our portfolio is around 1.2 billion today. Um, that is very much a industrial logistics. Um, sort of centred portfolio, although we do have office uses and, and some ancillary retail. Um, and the Humber is the UK's busiest ports complex um, by volume, and that, that um, encompasses Hull, Goole, Grimsby and, and Dimmingham. Um, I joined the business 12 months ago. Um, actually, it's my anniversary on Monday. Um, <laughs> Happy anniversary. And, uh, we, we, we spent the last six months um, very much working closely with our exec board to um, develop and um, achieve sign-off for a new property strategy. And that's very much um, continuing the good work that the teams do on the day-to-day with the estates management, but then we're moving more into asset management. And then from the asset management will come development management and, and capitalising on that land bank. Um, so it's a very exciting time to join the business and um, I haven't worked in a number of um, property organisations. We've, we've got a real uh, ambition to grow the portfolio and we, and we can see that on hidden value. Um, I mean, to illustrate the scale of the Humber portfolio, we, we started 2023 with a, an overall rent roll of 43 million. Um, as of October, that, that's grown to just over 51 million. So we aim to finish the year with 20% rental growth. Um, and that's well over double 
um, versus the rest of the wider industrial logistics market. So what that says is um, there's premiums for being next to the port and the rental growth is, is strong and, and will continue to be strong for the next couple of years. Excellent. OK, um, and I guess as part of that, you've also um, recently appointed Rob Morton, um, yes, who I think yes. a lot of people will know, especially people in Leeds will know from his yes. time at Savills and Town Centre Securities. Um, he's going to be lead property asset management, sorry, right. manager. Even. Um, yeah. What can we read into the creation of that position in terms of, you know, your ambition for the Humber? I think um, that's twofold. One is um, Rob is a, a new pair of eyes to come in and look at the existing estate and where the value add opportunities, whether it's lease expiries, re-gears, expanding existing customers. And then the second piece under Rob's mandate um, is to real, really be that key um, hunter for the new opportunities for the development land. So pre-lets, uh, existing customers that might want to uh, expand into a new unit on the port so it, it, it's a crucial role really um, we are also um, currently in recruitment for a lead property development manager and they will work hand in hand with Rob um, around that viability development appraisals for that development land bank as we as we really switch the focus into that towards the end of this year and, and into 2024. Sure. OK. Um, now, which of the um, types of tenant uh, whose strategic needs are best met by being located at or near a port? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, beyond the obvious in, you know, shipping or, or marine technologies, etc. Yeah, I think the, the key point on this is um, ports are very versatile. So our, our, our big um, USP is around um, ports being multimodal. So whether it's road or rail connectivity, um, see connectivity for import or export so we we appeal to a wide um, range of occupiers um, a good example is um, our port of newport and um, a deal was completed on a new build unit for um, canaf which is um, a plasterboard factory um, that's allowed them to significantly increase their um, service to customers throughout the uk and, and particularly in south wales um, so that's a real example of, of port centric manufacturing um another very recent deal is actually um an option agreement on open storage land at Ipswich and uh Lowestoft. Um so that's a very strategic location for Sizewell C. Um and 60% of the construction materials for Sizewell C have to come in via C. And that's why they need lay down and touchdown space um, at our ports. Um the benefit of that is you have the revenue from the option fee but then if you were there today there's revenue there from container storage and, and open storage uses so again it, it's really um using that that core position and as multimodal to draw on those types of requirements sure okay um how do you go about selling ports as a location to companies who probably you know wouldn't traditionally have thought about being located there i mean mm -hmm. if you're a logistics company for example um you know you think you have to be near a motorway ideally somewhere yeah. in the middle of the country um, but what what do they get from a port i think um the key for us is the market traditionally has talked about last mile logistics and that's been the buzzword whereas we now focus mm -hmm. on first mile logistics and that's where the ports come into play and, and they will do for the next five ten years and beyond um that switch into first mile logistics is all basically driven by import and export volumes the need for supply chain resilience that's a, a real important piece at the moment and effectively um, manufacturing on a global level um, locations are changing and we are seeing that in terms of requirements um 
if we think of our sustainability strategy, it's quite a large selling point uh, in terms of the ports and the access to green energy. Um, we are we are very committed to investing in um, onshore wind, um, solar. Immingham is is home to one of the UK's largest um, solar arrays. The fascinating part that occupiers won't know is that most of the ports um, operate on their own grid. Mm. So effectively, we we control our own infrastructure. So. Our occupiers benefit from our own production, whether it's um, solar units on top of warehouses um, or onshore wind in the future. That power is is harnessed back into our own grid and we can offer a more competitive rate to occupiers. Um, I think the connectivity piece comes back in again. So um, that road, rail and um, sea connectivity is a real big selling point to occupiers. And then finally, space as well. Um, Ports naturally have greater land availability around them than the regional cities, uh, Golden Triangle, and then the southeast and London. So for those companies that are looking to put down serious requirements, i.e. above 100,000 square foot and big box, um, the expansion space is there. Um, we have minimal competition um, for land acquisitions. And the um, the importance of that is, is keeping the land value low to make sure that development schemes are viable um you know build costs are leveling out but they're not going to return to previous levels we've now got considerations for bng um so the you know every developer at the moment across the uk is is feeling the difficulty of making schemes viable sure okay yeah i mean i was going to say i mean is planning less of a headache uh, within a port than it is if you know if you than compared to some greenfield site in the middle of england mm. or whatever I think it depends on on what and where um, mm. the ports do benefit from permitted development rights, which again is is something that a lot a lot of occupiers aren't fully aware of. Um, so typically, if you were to drive around the port of Immingham or Hull, you'd say, "Greg, why do all the units look the same size?" And that's because mm. um, the threshold is is around 100,000 square foot. So a lot of our bulk warehousing sheds we can often build with permitted development rights. Um, I think it, it's quite current actually that you've asked that. We we are inputting into the government's review of planning at the moment. That's quite live. And that is all around speed and efficiency, decision making. Um, how can we make that easier? Um, my ask back to the government would be, what does permitted development look like around the free ports? Because that is included in the benefits, but there's a lack of detail. How do we speed up um, detailed and reserved matters applications on the free ports um, to really accelerate those customer requirements because they they are live and we are seeing them. Um, but planning is, is is one of those elements that um, is taking a lot longer than it used to. Mm. Yeah, I think <laughs> everyone all over the country is having yeah, problems with planning at the moment. OK, um, you mentioned Newport earlier, um, but kind of around the country, do you see kind of variations in the types of tenant that ABP attracts? I mean, is Humber different to, say, Southampton? Yeah, I think I think it absolutely is. And again, it comes down to our versatility as a port operator and a, a large property business. Um, Southampton is very much driven towards um, automotive. So every Tesla that comes into the UK um, comes via Southampton. Um, Southampton also has a big focus on the uh, cruise industry and we've seen really uh, robust growth in that this year as more people return to cruises um, after COVID um, and containers as well um, that link into London and beyond. Um, in comparison 
Wales and Shortsea is, is focused more on um, offshore wind industries for the O&Ms, uh, manufacturing uses, um, steel imports and exports, Tata, uh, etc. And then the Humber is, is much more diverse. Um, Immingham, for example, it's very much the operational heart of the Humber. It's, it's one of our busiest ABP run operations. We bring in significant container and uh, roll on and roll off commercial volumes by the likes of DFDS, Stena, um, and we're in the Humber as well. We're also seeing significant growth in the automotive sector at the moment. Um, as an example, every Kia vehicle uh, in the UK comes via Immingham uh, and then onwards to the distribution centre in, in Stalingborough. Um, hauling comparison, that, that's more of a traditional landlord model, um, wider range of uses. Um, and, and my focus joining the business as well as also being um, around our, our Humber International Enterprise Park. Um, so that's quite a large development opportunity um, of 4.3 million square foot. Um, so we secured an outline consent for that in April 2022. Um, well over 400 acres that site and, and 212 of those acres sits within the Freeport. Um, so we're well positioned um, to capitalise on the deep sort of inward requirements we're seeing around manufacturing on, on, um, on the hype site in Hull. Sure. Okay. Um, how much, I mean, people kind of associate with ports with obviously petty industrial use, uh, but how much mm -hmm. potential is there to develop use types beyond those? I mean, yeah. do you think, you know, we can see ports becoming home for office parks or laboratory space or even retail? I think um, principally there will always be a focus on industrial logistics. Um, mm. However, on those large scale development sites, um, such as Hype in Hull, if you are putting down in excess of a million square foot, you, you do need those roadside and leisure amenities. So we, we do have the ability for up to 60,000 square foot of amenity use there. And um, that roadside and, and retail market remains quite robust. We're still seeing the likes of McDonald's, uh, Costa, Starbucks, etc. They're all still keen to acquire space and, and the rental growth is only upwards on those. Mm. Um, the office piece is quite interesting. Um, we we do have offices across the portfolio, um, albeit minimal. I think um, there will be consolidation on the offices. I think there's a flight to quality, and um, mm -hmm. what we may see is then more of the offices being converted for lab use, etc. Um, the 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 lab piece industry is traditionally focused on Cambridge, Oxford, London. Where the universities are where the skills are um, but what we do know is there's a, a significant shortage of um, supply of good quality lab space and um, I think if we can get longer term occupier requirements um, to that then we'll see more viable opportunities in the north um, we are working quite closely with um, Hull Council around the Western Docklands uh, master plan we, we own Albert Dock which um, is a smaller dock uh, in Hull and um, there is regeneration opportunity there for offices, lab space and uh, potentially TV and film. So it's, it's trying to think, right, what are the right target sectors around that that regeneration? Excellent. OK, um, now um, I grew up um, actually not far from Southampton Docks um, and kind of they're not the most beautiful of things to look at. Um, how much thought goes into the idea of placemaking and creating facilities that make them somewhere where people, you know, look forward to coming to work in? Yeah. I think um, 
having 21 ports that they're all varied and um mm. I'll never forget the first time I drove onto the port of Birmingham for my interview and um I probably got distracted looking out the car window but it, it was a different world and um yes it's it's heavy industrial mm. um heartland but it's also a fascinating place to work and some of our ports will always remain those type of heavy industrial uses whereas in, in comparison um at the port of Southampton you can be looking out the window at the arrival of a, a large cruise vessel mm. or you know the largest container vessel in the world and um that's quite an interesting place to work and then at cardiff um you've got the outlook across the bay so it's um it's a mixed piece really in terms of the place making um but there is there is genuine opportunities around regeneration um the port the port of newport for example that that's a large regeneration scheme that we're working quite close with the local authority on and then Grimsby um, is twofold around that and placemaking. So one is Grimsby is the largest um, European hub for the offshore industry for the O&Ms. And mm-hmm. then secondly, um, we, we call the historic um, dock area around Grimsby the Casbar and there's there's 90 um, historical and, and listed buildings there. And what we see from that is actually quite a high demand for TV and film and opportunities. So this is a new part of the property sector that we are uh, quite infused by. Um, last year we had Netflix um, filming on the um, for bodies that will launch oh, well. uh, in this month. So that that's quite a um, significant um, series that will launch on Netflix. And the bit that we're excited about is whether it's um, the general public or people that work in the film and TV industry, they will watch that production and actually question where is it being filmed? And we we fully anticipate there'll be further requirements on the back of that production. And, and we're already seeing that now in in confidential discussions with Netflix and other operators. So that's the short term. And in the long term, what we want to do is um, fully explore the opportunity for a film and TV quarter in Grimsby. Huge regeneration project, not just on the Casbar, but we've also got well over 20 acres of redevelopment land for new build studios. Um, we've softly tested this with the market. Um, we will be attending um, Focus in London at the end of the year with master plans and uh, our pitch. And if that's successful, we, we want to move ahead with a, an outline planning consent to really grasp the opportunity because there isn't many locations across the UK that can house um, period film dra- dramas in the old area of the Casbah and then build new studio units and then be next to Waterside uh, and the Humber for, for filming all within a secure port boundary. So we think we've got a real opportunity there and that, that's quite exciting and that's probably our most prominent uh, regeneration and placemaking opportunity across the portfolio. That's quite an amazing transformation because I think, I don't know, <laughs> I assume most people still associate Grimsby with like, you know, the fishing industry, which I yeah. assume is probably in decline. But yeah, it's it's now a kind of a, I think, um, a set, set for films. I think we'll, what we will end up with is a focus on the offshore and wind industry, hopefully um, a prosperous and, and growing TV and film sector. And, and if we get that right, then the, the job creation and the wider economic spend is is huge. You're talking hundreds of millions. And then there will always be a nod to the past around the fishing industry. It's still vibrant. Um, and there's also um, a live project ongoing for a new um, aquaculture facility for um, salmon production at the moment in Grimsby. And, and that's 150 jobs creation. 
120 million of investment um, that will go to planning committee next month and um, if that's successful we, we fully think that will support the existing fishing industries around Grimsby. Sure okay I mean that ability to regenerate um, coastal communities I mean does that mean there's quite a strong element of social value in what you do um, and that must kind of bring with it you know responsibility to get it right but also rewards when you do? Yeah I think it's, it's it's very important to ABP. Um, we we significantly support our local communities, um, not only in job creation in terms of employment, um, but also to give a recent example. Uh, again, going back to Grimsby, we we hosted a Heritage Open Day. Um, it's the third one that we've done now. It's an annual event, um, and that was supported by around two thousand visitors on the day. Um, so there's, there's real interest in these um, historical dock areas um, and it was quite energising to see firsthand that that social value and the pride in the local history on the day and, and talking about our future plans and then the following day on the Sunday was the ABP um, 10k at Grimsby so there's constantly something going on in the community um, and because we are such a big employer, that, that's really important to us, that whole piece around um, CSR, because we, we are responsible um, being such a big operator in, in the areas that we do. Sure. OK. Um, you mentioned a little bit about this already, but um, can you talk us through some of the green technologies and initiatives going on in and around yeah, the Humber um, and kind of how that translates into demand for commercial space? I think if we start on a holistic picture, um, so our, our ambition for revenue growth is, is complemented by our strong focus on sustainability. This, this is now a key part of the business. Um, ABP are uh, a key part of enabling the UK's clean energy transition. Uh, in February 2023 this year, we launched our sustainability strategy, which is titled Ready for Tomorrow. And that sets out quite clear mandates and commitments um, to achieve net zero by 2040 at the latest. Um, that 2040 target is backed by 2 billion of investment from our shareholders um, and that 2 billion is split across um, schemes around our own operations and then investment into um, external customer-led projects. Um, one of those is, is at Immingham, um, so we are partnering with their products on a hydrogen, green hydrogen facility, so that will see green ammonia uh, imported from Saudi um, and then that will be converted uh, facility in Immingham to uh, green hydrogen. Um, that represents around 1.4 billion of investment um, with by air products on the uh, facility. And uh, we are building a new jetty in the Humber to allow that import and export of, of cargoes. Um, and then another large project is also um, floating offshore wind at Port Talbot. And again, it's hundreds of millions of pounds of investment um, to deliver that. And that, that's a key. Um, sustainability project for us. Um, 18 out of the 21 ports um, support renewable energy projects, whether it's onshore wind or offshore wind. Um, there continues to be a focus on growing the number of warehouses that have um, PV mounted solar on their roofs. So we've got a live project for another four buildings at Immingham, again to expand on that on that current array. Um, and the, the onshore wind piece is quite fascinating, actually, because to give an example, if we can locate four onshore wind turbines at Immingham, at times when um, there's full generation, that, that can generate enough power to effectively um, 
satisfy our peak power demand from the grid and we can be off grid through those four onshore wind turbines and, and that's that's fascinating really because the land take from those wind turbines is, is so much less than solar um, and, and wind is still the cheapest form of energy production. Mm. Yeah I mean I guess that's a, a huge selling point for commercial occupiers who want to you know be able to talk to their shareholders and stakeholders about what they're doing for the environment I mean the fact yeah, they're getting 100% green energy that's a huge deal. Okay. Um, what would you um, like to see the green technology sector or what support would you like to see it given from the government? Um, it kind of feels like an important thing to get right because, you know, not only are there obvious environmental benefits, mm-hmm. but, you know, there's the creation of thousands of high skilled jobs at stake as well. Um, do you think there's more as a country we can throw at it? And, you know, does it need that public private partnership approach? I think it does. Um, the The main opportunity the government has at the moment is to really prioritise development across the UK. If you speak to any developer or landowner, the the big issue at the moment is around power and the availability of power. Mm. Um, One of our utilities consultants describes it quite well and they said it's like trying to drain an Olympic size swimming pool through a garden hose. So in other words, we have the generation capacity in the UK, but the infrastructure they're on can't distribute the power for development and that requires national grid mm. you know huge multi-billion pound of, of uh, infrastructure upgrades and the time scales are 5 10 15 years away um going back to our development site in hull at hype we have a requirement for 100 megawatts plus of power but then we are um, part of a wider group of our neighbors at Saltain chemicals park and then yorkshire energy park so you have three or four large landowners and developers there that all have um, power needs in the next couple of years. So we're very much lobbying with um, Northern Power Grid, National Grid to say, right, prioritise that area because the opportunity is there to accelerate part of the Freeport, accelerate part of that decarbonisation at Salt End. And then Yorkshire Energy Park is very much focused around energy generation, data centres. Um, so it's only complementary to our plans. So I think that's that's a real ask from ourselves is um, prioritisation of development across the UK and, and and don't forget about the north. And I, I would say that because I'm a northerner, but um, <laughs> we, we we have the land available here to make some sizable inward investment requirements become reality. We, we are seeing that almost weekly, whether it's via the local authorities or the DFT. There is sizable European companies that want to come and invest in the UK because of the free ports and, and we really need to make that a success. Um, and I think, I think the second ask is around um, planning and, and permitted development. Um, you know, should there be no restrictions on, on planning or, or very high level restrictions around the free ports to, to really accelerate um, development? Sure. Okay. I mean, on the subject of free ports, I think most people are kind of vaguely aware of what they are. Um, yeah. But can you talk through, in terms of the humbug, the the, the time scales of you know when they're actually going to come into effect mm-hmm. and the difference it's likely to make? Yeah. So the the, the humber free port is is effectively live. Um, we launched okay. it in July right. uh, with a number of key stakeholders. Um, there are three. Um, Freeport tax zones in the Humber. So number one is is the whole east site. Uh, number two is is AMEP, uh, Immingham, and then the third is in Goole. Um, there's a, there's a number of different um, benefits for the Freeport. 
principally is that national government support around the incentives, um, especially around the capital allowances for machinery. So that goes hand in hand with the manufacturing requirements. Um, there's national insurance benefits, uh, again, planning, and that, that's all to accelerate um, inward investment and, and job creation uh, and tapping into that talent pool in the free ports. Um, People may have seen the recent announcement in Google around uh, Metsa Tissue and, and they've chosen to locate their manufacturing facility at Google. Um, huge investment over the next four years, um, job creation of around 400 jobs. Um, Metsa, an existing customer of ABP. Um, the port of Google is within a couple of miles of, of that development land. So we, we fully anticipate that we'll see further demand for import and export of either raw materials or finished products. Um, so you can quickly see the the multiplier effect of when we get the free port right and and, and these these large European organizations are, are putting down roots in, in in Google, which is fantastic. And um, we really believe that Google is, is up and coming. Location is everything. And, and on the M62 corridor linked to Manchester, Liverpool and Leeds, um, you know, it, it will only continue to um, to prosper, we believe. Sure. Okay. So, I mean, what's the the big selling point with the free ports? Is it the kind of tax status, or is it incentives that are given? Quite, what what kind of makes people come? Um, I think it's, it's because the incentives around investment, and mm. um, you know, there's the, the significant savings around the capital allowances, um, business rates, national insurance. So it's those initial setup costs and reducing mm. that burden for occupiers. Sure. Okay. Um, and just finally, because I think our time is almost up, um, a big one that I think a lot of our listeners will want to know. Um, when you decide to market space, so you've got a big, you know, logistics unit or whatever, um, do you have like a preferred agents that you use for the whole scheme or do you mm -hmm. kind of pick and choose based on, you know, their particular expertise within particular use types? I think it's a really good question. Um, I think now that our strategy is unlocked, what we will be looking to do is is effectively pitch um, for a national agent, um, mm -hmm. and they will be complemented by local agents on the development yeah. opportunities. Um, and what we have to do is effectively give each of the development sites their own brand um, placemaking, and and pull that back into what are we selling, and then the key role of the agency world is to say right in in that location. Your target occupiers are X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. um, and that comes back to the port versatility piece, um, and what are the right requirements in what region to make these development schemes a success? Sure. Okay. So there's some potentially very big contracts out there for some lucky agents. I imagine Absolutely. your phone will be yeah. ringing off the hook. And I think um, the, the 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 port sector, from a property perspective, is. Um, you know, we know what we need from the agency world, but also we can offer quite an insight into what is previously quite an untapped part of the commercial property world. So there's a real benefit for um, that agent that comes on board to get them a lot closer to ABP and the um, the opportunities that are available because um, we're very excited by what the future lies for us. And um, there's huge possibilities to really grow the property portfolio um, beyond what it is today. Excellent. Sounds like you've got a very exciting future. It'll be good to talk Absolutely. again in a, in a year or two just to find out how that's going. Um, great. Thank good. you ever so much for your time. Really appreciate that. Thank you, Jim.